Happy Friday! I'm here with newsletter editor Scott Dickensheets. Hi, Scott. Hello. And lead producer Sonia Cho Swanson. Hi, Sonia. Hello, hello. And today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking about parking downtown, slap fighting, and the Las Vegas Book Festival. Woo woo. woo. Yes, cheer for it. <laughs> It's Friday, October 21st, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Downtown, they've already started charging for parking, and they've tried to kind of renegotiate when they're charging for parking, but overall, it's trash. And uh, there's been some some interesting developments along the course of the way. Sonia, fill us in. Yeah, so on Wednesday, the Las Vegas City Council actually had a vote on an important funding measure. It was kind of quiet, didn't really make the news, but... The city agreed to secure a bond for a parking garage in the Arts District. Okay. Now, there are still a lot of steps between now and parking garage, but it looks like we actually have funding for it. And what's interesting to me is that the accursed parking meters that we all love to shake our fist at are actually part of the payment plan to actually cover the cost of this garage. So the parking meters are supposed to cover about 500K or one-fifth of the annual loan payment for this parking garage, which, you know, makes me feel like maybe this is a a short-term pain for long-term gain, maybe. You know, we have to deal with the parking meters and maybe eventually get a parking garage. But I'm curious what you guys think. Are the parking meters worth it, is what I'm wondering. If it's not free, then I don't care. Then I've then what you've done is you've made me pay to park in an area that I love to patronize. And then my money is going to go and fund your project. And then you're going to make me pay (laughs) to park in this thing that I helped pay for building. That's fair. What about you, Scott? You know, I go downtown a half a dozen down to the arts district, maybe half a dozen times a month or less. And the place I park the most near the writer's block, there's some free parking there, so I get to mm-hmm. like sort of duck out of the the payment scheme. Uh, nice. But I, you know, from a from a f- more distant point of view, I I'm always interested in the way this brings out different constituencies. This issue, on the one hand, you have the nostalgists who are like, you know, I remember when we didn't have to pay for basic things like parking in this town. <laughs> That's a Vegas like core tenant, I think. Uh, it, it is. It is. is. And yeah. And certainly the suburbs are full of free parking, uh, and we've all gotten used to that. But then there's the other wing, which is the sort of like the pragmatic cosmopolitans who say, well, all big cities, you know, have paid parking. You just just something you deal with when you live in a big city. Mm-hmm. And so it's always kind of fun to watch those arguments tidal wave back and forth on social media whenever this this issue hits the news hard. I'm just tired of this feeling that my relationship with municipalities and so on is getting to the point where I'm I'm basically just a resource to be fracked for money at every possible opportunity. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. It's so transactional that it just rubs me the wrong way about it. Right, because I feel like for a long time they were trying to draw people downtown to kind of support these small businesses and support the growing arts community. And now it's like, okay, we got you. Now that everyone's actually coming, okay, let's actually monetize on, on this. Right, and, and parking is already enough of a deterrent to going downtown because... 
I mean, there have been times when you just have to sort of roll around looking for a space close to where you might want to be, and uh, especially if you go at a busy time of the of the week. And so now just adding the extra hassle of, of paying for it. So I guess that sort of, in the way, puts me in the camp of the nostalgists, although I do see they're, they're going to have to pay for that garage somehow. One-fifth okay. doesn't see. I don't know. That doesn't seem like a lot in order mm-hmm. to, but I don't want them to charge more either to up that percentage. So <laughs> right. I guess it's just a paradox we all have to live with. Yeah. So I'm curious, is there anywhere in Las Vegas where you would actually pay for parking? Happily, gladly, and yes, joyfully. Any of our parks, like our like our major parks, so like out going out to Red Rock, like if they wanna they wanna take some money, like sure. Fund, fund the parks. I don't care. <laughs> Take my money. Uh, and even with downtown, like, you know, obviously we're all, it sounds like we're all still going downtown. So we're all either still paying or taking the risk. But I feel like our, uh, the people who hand out the tickets, they don't, they've never played games. <laughs> like, they've never played. So I feel like those are two places where I'd be happy to, to spend the money regardless. But I definitely think it's, it's just a deterrent for, it, it's difficult for the businesses. Where would I happily pay for parking? My driveway, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will pay for parking when I need to. It's just a necessity of life. I went and saw Hamilton this week. You had to pay to get in the parking mm-hmm. garage there. Fine. I didn't have a problem with that. So that's, you know, seeing Hamilton is when I will happily pay again and again. If I get the chance to see it, I will happily pay that parking fee. Word. I think that idea of like parking being religion uh, comes from like locals being like it's the perk of living here. And so I think, like, you know, it's my birthright <laughs> to park for free if my ID says Nevada. So going to the the outlets over there, um, is that Grand Central? Yes, the premium outlets. Yeah, so going to the outlets and ha- being able to just slide my little ID and the, the thing goes up and we go and we park. And I'm like, yeah, baby, yeah. we yep. only take tourist money here for parking. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just brings me joy. So I think that parking on the strip, same thing. And I've definitely come from and lived in cities where we did have to pay for parking to the point where I was like, I'm going to invest in a parking structure. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It is. It is a little thing that makes me feel like a VIP in my own city. And so I think that's why where it kind of it hurts a little bit. And Vogue's point uh, about how we've become used to free parking is uh, it digs to a deeper issue we could talk for, for an entire episode about, which is like, how in a city dedicated to the hospitality industry, we've come to expect tourists to foot the bill for everything. And mm. for us to have to pay seems to sort of like violate that core discipline of, of being a Las Vegan. That's a great segue to talk about what we're doing regarding tourism. And we're about to get a new sport, which is called slap fighting, where the gloves are off. (laughs) That's literally (laughs) their tagline. (laughs) So it's open-handed slapping. Two professional fighters smack the crap out of each other until they just can't take it anymore. The Nevada State Athletic Commission unanimously voted yes on bringing them here on Tuesday. And the UFC president, one of the companies he manages, uh, actually brought it to them and said, yes, can we do this? It's going to be great for commerce and we want to build this business. Vegas is such a great place to build business in. But to your point, Scott, like, is it wise for us to keep expanding every element of entertainment into our city? Because sometimes I'm starting to feel like we're susceptible every time there's economic downturn if all we depend on are entertainment-like things. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? 
somehow they're turning you know a Three Stooges routine into a sporting event. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, you know Dana White is involved at some sort of high level in this, and whatever you think of the guy, and there is a range of opinion, I know, but he definitely knows how to monetize male aggression. So. I, I think oh, gosh. I think there's a, it has a decent chance of success. I think it's kind of a ridiculous uh, idea, but that's just me. But I do take your point, Vogue, that it's another thing calculated to appeal largely to tourists. If there is a sort of another downturn of any kind, which we've experienced a few in the past, has that built any sort of economic legs underneath it to withstand you know that sort of downturn? I don't know. Mm. Hmm. I'm just imagining how do you train for slap fighting? I have this eye of the tiger montage in my head where somebody's out there like <laughs> slapping bricks and like Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. No, it's gotta be a, a mannequin. You gotta get ready to slap flesh. You need something flesh like. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, we might see the the match, like fighting matches start as soon as by the end of the year and they want to host it at the UFC Apex. Mm-hmm. And you can audition. So I clicked on the audition page, you guys. <laughs> wow. Are you going to do it, Vogue? Uh, oh, I mean, I'm not above it, but I'm not below it. Like, <laughs> like, so apparently all you got to do to apply is it says literally, if you think you got what it takes, apply now by emailing a short video and your background materials to this email account. So if y'all want to huh. audition and start a new career in slap fighting, uh, it's open. Power slap. Uh, I have a glass okay. cheek. I'd never last. I'm a little scared of the injuries that could happen from this. I just feel like you're not wearing a helmet. You know, like slapping can really damage little muscles and bones in your face. Like I think people can go deaf if you get slapped in the wrong way, like on your ear or something. Considering what we do with football players and boxers oh, yeah. and yeah, I, I think the point is you are giving up your body for the sake of uh, entertaining. I mean, it's just another, to me, just another example. And I hate to sort of sound curmudgeonly about it because I really, you know, on, on the most basic level, it doesn't affect me one way or the other. But I do think it's sort of symptomatic of a sort of a dehydrated culture that's all about, you know, novelty instead of distinction. It's like, this is like mm. some silly thing mm. that'll grab people's surface attention. But I don't think it'll ever develop a rich tradition the way boxing does. I mean, boxing has mm. a rich history that intertwines with, you know, our national character and our national history in a lot of ways. Mm. Something like slap fighting does not bode well to have that sort of backstory at any point. Just you wait, Scott. We're going to make it happen. Vegas will be the the home the of many storied slap fighting champions. <laughs> and I, and I want to stipulate that I'm probably wrong. I'm wrong about so many things. Let's talk about things you get right, which is writing. The book festival is coming to Las Vegas. Scott, can you tell us what we're going to see? Who are we going to hear from? There's a book festival this weekend? Sir. (laughs) Wow. We should let our audience know that Scott was integral in the formation of the Las Vegas Book Festival. What is your role there? I actually serve as a member of the literary committee, which helps assemble the uh, roster of panelists and speakers and so on. So... It all unspools this Saturday at the uh, Fifth Street School there uh, on uh, Las Vegas Boulevard. It's a great setting for this kind of event. And there's a lot of really interesting and varied things that are going on. Headliners include Carl Bernstein of Woodward and, you know, the guys who brought down or helped bring down President Nixon back in the day. There's best-selling author Aaron Hildebrand, 
who's written 28 novels, which is an amazing achievement to me. Wow. She's a be- she's wow. a New York Times bestseller. There's Kylie Reed, uh, whose book, Such a Fun Age, was long listed for the Booker Prize. So no slouch there. And then Chef Hubert Keller was supposed to be uh, on stage, but he had to bow out for personal reasons. So mm-hmm. they've replaced it with a panel devoted to talking about the local restaurant scene. And it'll be moderated by John Curtis. And if you know John, then you know it'll probably be a very saucy conversation. Pun very much intended, by the way, in the spirit of John's social media presence. But there's a lot of other stuff, too. You know, below the the keynote level, there's panels on books and writing about the rest of Nevada. There's panels on writing about immigration. There's romance novels. There'll be, uh, I think, the first, maybe the first ever, first in my memory, panel conducted in, in Spanish. That's super cool. Anybody who comes will get to sort of exhibit, get to see a lot of different varieties of people talking. My favorite thing is that the there's youth stuff that happens too. Like that's my favorite thing about it is that there's so many things for kids as well. Right. So there's like Pictionary with children's illustrators. There's music and storytelling. It gives space for the grownups and the kiddos. So that's my favorite thing about it for sure. And uh, hopefully this far downwind from the pandemic, people will show up in, in huge numbers like they have in the past. And for my part, I will my only public appearance in this will be on a panel devoted to the Las Vegas Rights series, which is a, an annual book put out in conjunction with the book festival that uh, gathers you know work from local writers. There's been like 13 volumes now. I was the editor for some of them, and so yeah. we'll be talking about that. It's kind of an interesting archaeological record of the city's literary uh, talent. I'm excited about that. Like, I'm, I need to actually go and forage all of them <laughs> so I can have like the full well, uh, volume. A note to listeners, Vogue will be presented with the Silver Pen Award by the Nevada Writers Hall of Fame uh, very soon. And so, Vogue, through that lens of your uh, expertise in the word, what are you looking forward to at this at this festival? Oh, well, thanks for for shouting that out. I appreciate it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And I love the Spark Youth Poetry recitation competition uh, and the award ceremony for that. So it's uh, a competition that's every year. The students write their own poems and present them on stage. And I've been a judge on that a couple of times, which is very difficult and stressful. And I also help coordinate it with Mary Jane uh, and Nevada Arts Council. So I love seeing the, the kiddos read their work, especially the high schoolers. And I think now more than ever, we need to hear you know, how they feel and where they're at. Sonia, have you been to the book festival before? I have, yes, both in person and virtually when it was virtual during the pandemic. I just love that it's at the Fifth Street School. I love that space of like sunshine and shade and kind of city, but also like kind of retreat from the city in the courtyard. It's it's mm-hmm. lovely. It, the, the courtyard has definite secret garden vibes. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I have a question for Scott. Scott, I remember the Las Vegas of yore before there was a Las Vegas book festival. I'm kind of curious, Scott, what do you think the book festival does for Las Vegas? I I mean, a couple of things. The obvious thing is it gives you something interesting and non-touristy to do on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning. It exposes Las Vegas to a variety of people, both who live here, largely perhaps unheralded or unknown, or not widely recognized, it gives them a chance to present themselves to the public and the public to see that these folks are in our civic bloodstream. And that's, I think that's a good and useful thing to know. It brings in talent that, you know, literary talent, writing talent. And it's not all like high tone literary. There's plenty of 
very accessible stuff that's going to be on on display. And so I think it just creates a sense a sense of energy and a sense of possibility, and you know that the city can have that kind of a cultural life. And it's a nexus of storytelling, which I think is a vital and useful thing to to have in your life. Mm. I think it brings yeah. a lot of pride to the writers out here, too, that they're able to mm. participate. We get to see one another um, discuss our work and really talk about process, which is like this weird internal writer thing. But to be able to discuss process with one another and talk about the impact of the work or what, what we hope the impact will be. And what's cool, too, is in introducing different forms as well. Like there's going to be a zine workshop going on uh, for a good chunk of the day, too. So we're going to see different literary forms. Nice. It's just a way to show like, yes, we are the entertainment capital of the world. And we have a great deal of excellent writers in this town that are willing to come together for one big old festival in the middle of the city. And to, yeah. and to something Vogue said, you know, even people who aren't writers, I've found, are really interested in the creative process. And so these panels and these talks take the audience sort of behind the scenes of the process. And I think that's always just an interesting thing to see how other people accomplish something creative and interesting. And it's free. And it's free. There you go. And the parking is not. (laughs) (laughs) No, you will have to pay to park. I'm I'm entirely Uh, certain. But there will be very little slap fighting. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. We can change that. Although I can't promise my panel will be free of it, but we'll see. Okay. Oh, you know what we need, Scott? Okay, so we need date and time of the book festival so people know. Date, time, location. Date, Saturday, October 22nd. Time starts at 10 a.m. and runs till about 6. Location is at the 5th Street School, which is on Las Vegas Boulevard and like Clark. That's all you need to know. Except come and have a really good time. Do y'all have any family fall traditions? It's not really a tradition per se, but my mom makes really good apple cider mm. and she does it in her crock pot. Yes. And what she does is she'll peel an apple and then she'll stud the apple with cloves <gasps> and just like let that clove studded apple sit in like the apple juice in the crock pot and with some other spices and cinnamon and stuff to just mull. And it just makes this really fragrant, warm apple cider that I love. So shout out to my mom. Yes, Best apple cider. Love. That sounds wonderful. What about you, Scott? Gee, we have a ton of recurring events. I don't know if that counts as tradition, but uh, we have a large family, so I'm sure there'll be 25 or 30 or 40 people over for Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving morning, we all wake up and we make this stuff called monkey bread, which is just this delightful sugar, cinnamon, or brown sugar, cinnamon confectionery thing that we then eat by the handfuls until we can't hardly move anymore. And we've been doing that since our children were very small. So that is a definite family tradition. And, and there'll be decorations. You know, they'll be, we'll dress up the house in like autumnal colors and so on. Nice. Ooh, I love what, that. what about you, Vogue? What do we do? I get into, it's not really baking mode, but like, I don't know, AJ starts neglecting bananas. And so then I make banana bread, which makes me happy. He refuses <laughs> to eat them once they get black. And I'm like, that is still edible. That's perfect for banana bread. So I'll make a banana bread and I've learned how to make it in the blender. <laughs> like, Ooh. so you like do the mixing in your blender and it just kind of aerates it in a different way. So I just tested out a new recipe with yogurt instead of milk. So they were mm. kind of dense and delicious. So that's one. Party of Vogue's uh, house. <laughs> it's so true. I never want to turn on my oven in Vegas until like it gets below a certain temperature. Ah. So it truly is baking season. Mm. 
I love that. Yeah, we do that. And then with the girls, uh, we we paint pumpkins. I don't know why we, I guess, I mean, I guess because they're so little, so we're not going to give them knives. And it's, <laughs> so we have to argue with them about who who's old enough to hold a knife and who isn't. So with my nieces, <laughs> we just literally painted pumpkins. We painted real pumpkins last year and then they like sunk and disintegrated and it was sad. So this year I'm going to go buy like plastic pumpkins and we'll paint oh, those instead. That's cute. Sweet. Well, thanks for sharing those things. I'm going to try this apple cider uh, and I want to see pictures of the monkey bread. (laughs) (laughs) If it lasts long enough to be photographed. This is also true. (laughs) I respect the eating of that. It's such a pace. (laughs) (laughs) Super cool. Thank you both. This morning has been lovely. It's wonderful to talk with you both. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson, and our producer is Layla Muhammad. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our hosts are me, Vogue Robinson, and David Figler. Music is by OG Moose and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwuli, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and tell a friend. Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Can somebody say something? Words. Something. Some more words, all the words, none of the words. <laughs> word up, word down, word sideways. Five, 15 across. <laughs> Yahtzee! (laughs) Yes. Oh, wait, wrong game. Sorry. I love you guys.